Welcome to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name is David Wheatley. We're here to talk leadership in small, bite-sized and practical chunks. Enjoy. So this episode, I'm talking to a colleague of mine, Nikki Patterson. And, and if you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll have come across Nikki before. She had a great conversation with uh, Judy Brown and uh, and us about uh, women in leadership. And I asked her to come back because one of her hot research topics in the work that she does is uh, mid-career female leaders. And uh, this is a topic that's getting hotter and hotter as we see more females in the workplace. And I, I was just sharing with her that I was working with a group yesterday that was 85% females in this bracket. So it's uh, it's a, a very timely topic. And thank you for joining us today, Nikki. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, David. And, and Nikki, although she works on her own, is an associate of Humanity. So uh, we're, we're pleased to put her to work from time to time and, and enjoy her insights uh, as we go. So so just as um, uh, an intro to, to folks, what's the one minute Nikki bio? The one minute Nikki bio. <laughs> um, I grew up in the tech world, spent about 12 years working at Google in different places, California and Europe and back here in Michigan um, in org development and coaching at the end. And then moving out of there, a couple other tech companies still working in that org development leadership space. Love partnering with leaders to help them figure out how they can be more effective and help their teams be more effective. So I've been working on my own partnering with amazing humans like yourself for the past several years, specifically working a lot with this mid-career women area. Well, and that um, that jet setting across from one side of the country to the other are now based back in uh, in Ann Arbor, and yes. um, uh, so not not far from us. But so. Was the obviously you fit in this category, but where's this passion for mid-career women come from? What what's causing you to do the research and the work around this area? Great question. Um, in my time working at at Google, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of amazing, amazing women that were top in their field, that were incredibly intelligent, and some of the the patterns and trends that that showed up in the workplace, whether it be um, imposter syndrome or working in traditionally male teams, traditionally male fields, they would, I just saw potential kind of get stuck where women weren't able to truly show up in their best. They weren't able to show up as themselves. They weren't able to kind of tap into what is great about me? How do I bring this in? How do I really show up in this way? They were following a narrative of this is what success is supposed to look like. This is what it looks like to be a leader on this kind of team. And so I really got curious around what's causing this, what's causing this kind of block and what would what would be possible if all of these individuals were really able to bring all of their magic to this work and really unlock the innovation and creativity that we're um, available there. A lot of this came also from doing team effectiveness work and finding that it's not just diversity that makes the most effective teams. It's truly inclusion. We're able to unlock everyone's you know, best magic and getting really curious about women specifically in that space. Which is, is interesting. If we get diversity, but we expect people to fit into the old pattern, then we don't actually get the value of diversity. And so we yeah. really have to change the workplace that we're in to get that inclusion. Yeah. I think you'll see a lot of, uh, that's why a lot of the tech companies work really hard to get 
diverse hires that don't stay longer than a year because the belonging space and and creating that work environment where everyone can show up at their best is still a work in progress. Right. So they they hire well, but then they don't keep well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's because people don't feel like they can unlock themselves. They have to fit the expectations. Yeah, I think that and so some will leave early on, but a lot of these mid-career women have have taken on, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like. This is the way I'm supposed to work. And that's what they've learned to do over the 10 or 12 years of their career. And they've got really good at doing what they are supposed to do. We joked about it being um, either the hamster wheel or the treadmill. You just keep running as fast as, as you can and and not at, at what they they tell you this path is supposed to look like. So we've got these mid-career women leaders that have been on the treadmill. What's going on with them at their mid-career point that makes this a, an interesting place to focus? Yeah, so... A lot of what we're looking at here is is often women that are almost at the going up to the director space. And this looks different at different companies, but a lot of times this is the manager of managers. You're not directly frontline leading anymore. You're having to really think about scaling yourself, scaling your leadership, right? Um, so the women leaders are almost at this, this phase. And at this point, they've been able to keep doing more to do better. Right. I'm still making sure that I, I know details of every single what everyone on my team is doing and I can make sure that they're doing it really well. I've got all of these new things coming out at home. I'm likely a parent. I'm running a house. I'm starting to take care of potentially my parents. I've got all of these people that are now reporting to me. So we've spent 10 years kind of adding on responsibility that you're just tacking on in these different places. So they're running faster on this hamster wheel, faster on this hamster wheel, faster on this hamster wheel. And at some point, it can't go any faster. There has to be a way to work differently to be able to scale, like we said, right. scale your impact. So it's kind of that point when women are just, they're going as fast as they can and can't really see what it looks like to add more responsibility. How do you get to that next level and in a way that is sustainable, in a way that is that is healthy? So it's that, that transition point. So it's the transition off the endlessly getting faster hamster wheel. Yeah, uh, into absolutely. a place where you can lead in a in a place of calibrated sanity. <laughs> calibrated sanity—that's an excellent way of putting it. Because right. it's uh, you know I've been uh, using the term GSDs with people that uh, that get stuff done people that we've relied mm -hmm. on for the last three years in particular when when COVID yeah. hit everybody looked at the get stuff done people and said let's get stuff done and and they haven't stopped piling on stuff for them to get done. And so yeah. we're now seeing things like burnout and uh, at that level, because these people need to get off that fast hamster wheel. Yeah. I think David right now is a really interesting time for women because there's these two factors at play. Even before COVID, this happened often to this, the mid-career mid woman that had been tacking on all of these pieces and was moving to the next place. And, and there's luckily a lot of support you're company likely does and a lot of other companies to help people think about how do you lead differently at this level at this next level mm -hmm. what got you here won't get you there but now there's this additional factor that you mentioned of covid where there was a, all this additional pressure of what's happening at home um a lot of the studies show that women were more likely to take on the really household management at the office too so this means they're statistically more likely to be checking in on their teams 
seeing how things are doing, stepping in and leading in DEI spaces and working on making a difference there. So this is unpaid labor, but additional labor that is being taken on. So you've got these two factors at play, one that has historically been at play, and then this additional one that is that has shown up really strongly in the past few years that are kind of compounding right now. Yeah, there's a, a book I read recently. Uh, then I'll try and remember the name before we finish today. But they talk about um, the non-promotable tasks that women mm-hmm. in particular take on in organizations. That that then they wonder why they're not getting promoted. And it's because the men aren't taking on those non-promotable tasks. Yeah, and then a lot of those are those more relational, focusing on the team, those pieces. And on top of that, through COVID, a greater requirement to take care of, as you said, both the family, because there was homeschooling and elder parents, aging parents at the same time, fell on the shoulders of the women rather than the men. Yeah. And that's where the statistics are showing, but the conversations that you're having with women is showing they're tired. I think it's, it's really, um, clear right now. A lot of times people come back from the new year, feeling refreshed, feeling renewed. Mm -hmm. Most of the people that I'm talking to after this new year are not, (laughs) it feels like it is 2020 month, 784, you know, it just kind of keeps tacking on and keeps tacking on. So how you're seeing this show up is really feeling tired. Women are struggling to focus on one thing. There's kind of a lot of pieces going on. Even if you're taking a vacation, not really feeling refreshed. It's just um, this this inability to kind of get back to this base level. And what the the real challenge about this part is you're not your loss of the creativity, right? Your loss of the the chance to really think creatively to innovate because you're just in the space of trying to get by. So that you know it's that, hey, I just need to survive today and I'm not creating the space to think about the future, to look up, to look out. Uh, the yeah. picture you're painting in my head is this person who's on a treadmill. And if they were just on the treadmill, it'd be all right. But that treadmill is accelerating. And by mm-hmm. the way, they're carrying a load of boxes and people keep piling another box on top of them. And and then they have to feed the kids and look after aging parents at the same time while they're getting faster on the treadmill. Yes. And you're and, just trying not to fall. You don't know where you're going on the treadmill or why the boxes are there. You're just trying not to fall off. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? The, the YouTube video of somebody face planting on that is what you're trying to prevent is that 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 metaphorical face plant on there that then puts the everything uh, down for a while so so we get that picture uh what can we do to help women who are facing this challenge yeah so there's there's a couple different pieces a lot of what i've been working on with um what what i found with a lot of my clients is helping them connect back to their why. So connect back a little bit to that personal space. And it it's hard to, to help convince them that spending a little bit of time on themselves is essential for them to be able to, to successfully move forward this through this space. We, you know, try to talk about the put your own oxygen mask on first in order to put the oxygen mask on anyone else. And it, it helps to ask some of those moms of, do you want to see what do you want your kids to see? Do you want them to see you stressed and tired? Or do you want them to see, you know, that you're able to connect and be where you want to be? What what would it look like to make space for that? And helping them connect of why are they doing what they're doing? I don't know, David, if you have seen the YouTube video, um, it's a comedian that kind of 
works in this space and he asked someone in the audience to sing Amazing Grace. And the guy sings, he's got a great voice and he sings Amazing Grace. And he says, okay, so now sing Amazing Grace as if you were wrongly accused, sat in jail for 20 years and you just got released. And this man sings unbelievably phenomenal version of Amazing Grace. And his point is, if you're connected to your why, it really shows up differently in in the way that, in what you're doing. But the research shows us that fighting burnout, connecting to your why, doing what you're doing is much more sustainable if you have a why. I'll give you a personal example. I've always been interested in working with women as leaders. I now have a 10 or eight month old daughter. My why just switched. She is going to be coming into this workforce. I now care a lot more about making sure that it's a space when she can show up and she can be at her best. And that gives me refueled energy to be able to be in this space. So that's a big piece that we work with a, with a lot of our clients. What do you really want? What values are showing up here? So connecting back to that why. So is there a tension there, though, between the you know, connecting to the why and what's important and then also spending time as you said, on yourself, which is the making sure at the most basic level, eating, sleeping, and exercising in the right way, yeah. that tends to take a, a back seat, even if your why is about making the world a better place for your daughter. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question. And I answered it in two ways. So first, if you are to the point, so the research shows that there's um, five points of what we call burnout. There's, you know, when you start feeling a little bit stressed, when it starts noticing that you're pushing a little bit further, if you're all the way over on this end and it is impacting you physically and you can't get up, you need to be working with, uh, working with a professional, trying to make sure that you are healthy. You need to sleep. You need to eat. So if you're at this point in burnout, there is some help you need to put in place first, right? You need your basic shelter. You need your house um, before you can do some of this work. But I would argue that if you're, most of the time we say burnout, people are not at that. I can't get out of bed. I am physically unwell. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time we're not at this, at that space. 42% of women said in, um, 2021, according to the McKinsey lean in survey that they were feeling burnt out. Most of them are not all the way at this point. So I would argue that connecting to your why, identifying your values, checking in with if you're living aligned with your values, that is focusing on yourself and even helping women encourage them to take the time to get clear on that is, is them spending time on themselves and they have to still give themselves permission to make that focus. Which then the next step of that is to give themselves permission to say no to some things. Yes. So this ruthless prioritization, that is such a big one. (laughs) Um, I think that it is Simon Sinek that talks about if you have, if everything is a top priority, then you actually have no priorities. And that's something that we work with our clients a lot because we can say, this is what's important. This is really what's important. This is really what's important. And then we work around that topic saying, yes, I hear you. These three things are most important. So what are you going to have to say no to? What good things are you going to have to say no to? So you can say yes to the great things. And that's a really hard conversation. It is something that culturally women are not 
not great at doing. So it's something that that as a coach and as a manager and as someone who is supportive of women in your life, help them. Help them practice this. What will you need to say no to? How are you going to say no to that? It's 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 a muscle that is really important to build so that you can create that space. And it's the understanding that saying no to that one thing allows you to say yes to something that is aligned more directly with your why. Yes, absolutely. So focus on your why and really intently focus on that is, is one thing. What What's a, another thing that will help uh, resolve these, these tensions and issues? Well, the, I'll put, draw out even more this saying, no, it's, it's a, a building in of this, the, the focusing or prioritizing your energy and time. Okay. So if you know what you want and what your why is, how are you focusing on that? What are you going to see, need to say no to? And then building a practice around that. There are a million things on your to-do list at all time. So we work with a lot of women to figure out, does it look like Friday afternoon? You're going to set an hour and look at the week ahead and say, what are the two or three most important things I must get done next week? Other things might fall behind. What are the two to three things I must get done next week? Right. And what is a practice that you can do again and again to start putting that into place? Because we'll keep adding things to the to-do list. And then there's the constant feeling of guilt for not getting all the things done. The, it's not just thinking about these prior, priorities, but putting a practice in place to help um, really bring that to life. So to make sure and you're what, working on the things that you've said are important to you. Yeah. And to get into and the habit of doing that. The habit is really, really important. And with a coach, we can help figure out a little bit of what's what's blocking you from really doing that, right? We know that going to the gym is important, and yet our alarm goes off at eight o'clock and we turn it back off to sleep for an hour, right? We know it's important. So exploring a little bit of what really blocks us from, from doing those things. Are there priorities in conflict? Because yes, going out to the gym is really important, but also my daughter woke up at four o'clock this morning, so an hour of sleep is... Yes, I have priorities in conflict there. How do I make some of those decisions? So realizing, giving yourself a little grace and working through some of those, um, through, through some of those as well. So and then, go on. Another one that we work on is connecting to superpowers. So a lot of us have probably heard of the strength-based research. Um, this You're restored and can work longer if you're doing something that is something that you're passionate about and something that you're good at. A lot of people just end up in jobs because, or a lot of women we see end up in jobs because they happen to be, you know, in a certain place at a certain time and they move up this space. But what are your superpowers? What are you really good at? How might you dial that up in your workplace? Are the things that you're not so good at, what does it look like to get to a base level or partner with someone that does that? Delegate things that do that so that you can do more of what you're really talented at or what you love to do. Those are, so that's another one we focus on. Yeah, and the the strength stuff, I'm completely aligned with. I think that that go with your mm -hmm. strengths. And something you said, which I think is important, is there's some of the opportunities, some of the weaknesses that you have to get to a base level, but then yeah. you can also mitigate those with tying into different people uh, and you know, surrounding yourself with the right people who support that that diversity again. Uh, yeah, thinking absolutely. So focus on the why, prioritize your energy and time, declare your superpower, as you just put it. What else would you add? I think you can, you, you drew up this last one that we talk about when you said, you know, partnering with someone that might be good at this community and connection. 
So this has always been something really important. You can look back at the research on these lean-in circles, right? Sheryl Sandberg years ago found that if you have women in the workplace that can be honest with each other, can be a safe space for each other, this is even more important after the pandemic. We were all isolated. We're still rebuilding what those social connections look like. Um, build those. And it looks like the personal ones of making sure you're, you have healthy friend groups, you have support groups outside of work, but also in the workspace. And we think about this um, building your team, not the team that works for you, but if you're building a team of who do you need as mentors, who do you need as, as advisors, who do you need that's going to be give you really good, true feedback? If you want to move up into this space, how do you get someone on at your table that's that's going to help help you move into this new position? So it's being intentional about building that community and connections as well. We can't do this alone and we're not meant to. So it's, it's helping women think about, yes, you're amazing, but you don't have to do this on your own. You can't. Who do you need to partner with? Who do you want to align with to be able to, to support you in moving forward? I, I remember reading the work of uh, uh, Pat Heim years ago that she mm -hmm. talked about a, a female leader's biggest challenge in the workplace is the females around them. How does that work with because you're creating another tension there, aren't you? We have to overcome yeah. that and be a support network rather than a, a conflicting network. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is beginning to change. If you think about it there, there was only one room, one woman in a lot of these rooms. So it was this felt sense of competition. But there's a, there's a change of perspective, starting with more women being in the room, but also necessary for more women to change that perspective of what if we were supporting one another? What if we were allies for one another? If you have an amazing woman on your team, support her, sponsor her, help bring her to this next level. So it's a bit of a, a change of mindset as well. Right. And so you're seeing that happen in the workplace as, as more women get in there, it's becoming a more collaborative, supportive network rather than a competitive one. I think that depends on the organization. And that's cultural. Yeah. Um, and you don't see it just in women. I think some spaces are very, very competitive and it's this stack rank and it's up or out, or there's a more collaborative spacing. And that's a lot that has to do with the leadership and the way an organization's culture shows up. Which is a, a good segue to my next question, um, which gets to what can we all do? Uh, mm. not just the mid-career women, but what can we all be doing as leaders to make sure that yeah. we're creating the environment that is helping people grow and in particular this mid-career overwhelmed treadmill riding <laughs> woman i think that's a great question um and there's there's a lot that can be done and if you have someone on your team or you work with um a woman in this space help them have conversations about what they want for their careers learn figure out what they want right um what do they really want to do? What's really important to them? Where do they see themselves showing up as their best? Create the space for some of those conversations. If you're leading a woman, help her. Can she have a coach? Can she do strengths finders? Can she do some of this development so she can get clear around some of this? Because it's it's going to benefit you. Um, so that goes back to the, I mean, the four things you raised in the focus on your why, the uh, prioritize energy and time, discover yeah. and declare your superpower at the community and connection you're saying if yeah. if i as a white guy think about those things and think about what am i setting my organization up like and am i creating that space then that's providing the opportunity for that mid-career woman to to take advantage of all of those 
Yeah. And creating room space for everyone on your team, but especially this, this mid-career women. And you can do this with the prioritization as well, right? There's always a hundred things coming in on our teams. How do we do this as a team? Okay. These are the three things we really have to get done. Have you it conversations with the members of your team, especially these women? These are the three most important things. Help them get clear about that so they're able to say, okay, these are my biggest focuses. I will get these done. Help be clear about what is really most important. Get which rid of some of that clutter. Which also means supporting the what I'm not going to get done. Yeah. Uh, and building I, that in part of the culture. Yeah. I see that all too often. These are the three things. And well, what about this one? Well, yes. <laughs> that, that's important too. Uh, Those five things are the top yeah. three always, right? Yeah, it sounds like a bad Monty Python sketch, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but but so that idea of if I'm telling you to focus on these three things, I have to also help you not focus on these other things. Yeah. Uh, so I can I can make sure I'm I'm creating the space, the connection, the prioritization. Focusing on and understanding what your why is and what's driving you and understanding your superpowers. Mm -hmm. Anything mm -hmm. else I can be doing to create this great environment so that somebody doesn't fall flat on the treadmill? Yeah. The, I think around this community and connection one, you can be a mentor. You can be a sponsor. You can be a connector. You know amazing humans. Connect amazing humans to amazing humans is a, a huge a huge element that you can play as a, as an ally, even just be a coffee, a coffee date to help, help, you know, these women talk through what's going on to them. Um, they've got a lot going on in their team. They've got a lot going on likely at home. There's not a lot of additional space for them to just think through some of these things to be something to bounce, to bounce ideas off of. So if you're willing to be a sponsor, if you're willing to be a mentor, if you're willing to be a coffee for them to bounce some ideas off of, that's all really, really helpful um, as an ally. And as you said earlier, both you and I do this professionally. So we're a professional ally support. And, and one of the yeah. things that I'm picking up from this is what I can better do as a coach, especially when I'm coaching mid-career females to provide that space, that opportunity to encourage in the right direction in my coaching yeah, um, absolutely. whether that be professionally or over a cup of coffee and if there's ways you know you get to interact with a lot of amazing women is there ways to help them build some of those relationships between each other that can help help them build as well that's absolutely accurate well one of those amazing women is with me today so i appreciate you uh, allowing me to connect and understand that and having this conversation nikki today and and I expect we'll have more of these as the as time goes on. And uh, you can also expect to have Nikki back as a guest host from time to time as she brings some smart ideas to the Humanity Leadership Podcast. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for joining us today. And I look forward to hearing more about uh, your research and how we can best support all leaders, but in particular, these mid-career ones uh, who are juggling so many things. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you, David. That was the Humanity Leadership Podcast. My name's David Wheatley. For further information about Humanity, go to humanity.com or check out our latest book, What Great Teams Do Great, from all good bookstores. Have a good one. Stay healthy.